Imagine facing freezing conditions complete with snow, rain and strong winds. For participants at the World Summit of Trail Running, these conditions were not uncommon. Budrum 46-year-old Dylan Cole-Jones faced some major internal demons at the Holy Grail of trail running last year. But through hard work and a whole lot of luck, he's back for another crack at the UTMB. A member of the Noosa Ultra Trail Runners Group, he's a regular run on the local trails who supports athletes of all abilities. Born in North Wales, he moved to the Sunshine Coast about five years ago. We catch up with him in the latest podcast. So Dylan, welcome to the Multiport Mecca podcast. Let's get straight into things. Tell us about your latest challenge, the uh, Ultra Trail Mont Blanc. Yeah, it's obviously, um, it's, some people might say it's like a, a pinnacle top race to, to aim for. Um, I've known about it for many, many years where when I used to live in the UK, I used to support and run with other trail runners. Um, I would always go on about this race. Um, I never thought that I would want to go from running the 40, 50, 60K trail running, uh, trail races that I used to do in the UK to jump to a 172K um, race. I loved the thought of it, but I didn't think I would actually do it. And then a couple of years ago, some something sparked a, a reaction. I thought, you know what, I'll have a go. Um, and it's... It's not an easy task to get into the race. Um, you've got to have a number of qualifying points in the bank before you actually apply. Um, and after you apply, it's like all these big races now, there's so much, so many people that want to apply and you've got to go through a lottery. And then it's a bit of luck. And um, last year I was, um, I was lucky to, to get into the race. Um, didn't have the race that I wanted last year. A few things went wrong on the day. Um, but that's, that's just racing. That's just running. Things don't go to plan. Um, but luckily, um, I still had the points to, to qualify um, for this year. So I put my name in the hat again. And I was very, very lucky. It's, very un- it's unheard of for people to get in twice. Um, in succession, successive years, so I think they felt sorry for me after last year, and uh, yeah, I'm in again. Um, so I did um, three qualifying races, which was the Alpine Challenge down in Victoria, um, and then I did ETA race, which is probably one of the most common or the big biggest races in uh, in Australia. I did that twice just to get all the qualifying points, um, which got me uh, a berth in UTMB. And the Alpine Challenge and the, the UTAs that you did, uh, what distances were they? So they, they all, they all three were 100k um, because there's, you've got to have 100k um, and there's a number of points. Sorry, there's a, it's 100k and then it, they grade the race by how much elevation you uh, you run in that race. So the Alpine Challenge, for example, I think I got five points or six points, can't remember now, or for the elevation. Because um, I think that was about 5,000 uh, meter birth. And then the UTA, 
same number of points, um, similar elevation. So it's not just about the, the distance, it's also about the elevation and how hard the race is. Um, a lot of people regard the Alpine Challenge one of the toughest in Australia. It was, it was horrible. Um, terrible weather when I did it. Um, yeah, it'll make it easy. So as far as last year's uh, UTMB, what, so what happened and, and how did you finish up? So I went in there, I trained really well, I felt really good. Um, a few things went wrong, after about seven or eight hours into the race, I stopped eating and like any endurance event, if, you, if you're not eating, you're in trouble. And I don't know if it was a mixture of elevation or, um, or altitude. Because uh, at the early point of the race, I think we go around 2,500, 2,600 above sea level. Not used to that, obviously, in my training. Um, another big mistake I made is I got up early on the day of the race. But in this country, most races start at 4 a.m. UTMB start at 6 p.m. So I had all day um, where I was up. Um, so at least 12 hours before the race, and then we run into the first night, and obviously that means I would have been 20 hours into my day, and just things unraveled. Um, we had bad weather, which I wasn't too concerned about, if I was well prepared. Um, yeah, stop, when you stop eating, it, it just goes downhill and yeah, it, was, it was horrible. I was falling asleep um, and because it's, there's a lot of hiking involved, I have these um, lightweight poles I used. If I didn't have them, I'd be falling to the ground. It, it actually kept me awake. I, I would fall onto the poles, wake up and continue and but stopping was never an option. I knew knew I'd finish, it, it just wasn't the, the time that I was hoping to, um, or the, maybe not the time, but the day that I was hoping to have didn't happen. Um, I was still big-headed enough to, to finish. Um, around 2,300 start the race, and last year only 1,500 uh, finished, so um, I was very happy to be in the 1500 to finish, um, but not the time or not the experience that I was hoping for. Because once you're in that game, um, cave, it was very difficult to, to move on. There was a lot of very dark moments where I was cold, I was wet, I couldn't eat, and it, it's only Coca-Cola, I think, got me through. I drank a lot of Coke just to get through, um, get that sugar rush, just to keep moving. So, yeah, hopefully this year will be different. I've got a lot of um, uh, experience from the day, from the week, from the actual race now to take into to this year's event where I've learned a few key changes that will hopefully put me in good stead. And so what was your finishing time? Um, well, because it's not important to me now, I think it was around 42, 43 hours. Um, I'll send you that. And 
and you tell them, yeah, it's 42 to 43 hours. The cutoff is 46 hours, so you can see I was very close to the, the cutoffs. Um, but there was, I think, one checkpoint I was nearly, I was on my backside um, trying to get some sleep. Um, it was very difficult to get, I think I was in 3N. It was very difficult to get out of that um, checkpoint because you, you feel nice and cosy. Um, so yeah, there was there was a lot of time wasted in, in checkpoints, but without that wasted time, I wouldn't have had a, I wouldn't have finished it. So um, yeah. And this is not just a hundred k race, though, isn't this? Is this is nearly or around about one hundred and seventy k's? And what's the elevation? So the elevation is ten thousand meters of elevation um, over the hundred and seventy-two, um, which basically means you're climbing Everest in a, in a race, um, and they're not little um, climbs that we've got here. Like uh, one of the climbs, um, we're climbing for about eighteen k nonstop, and it's relentless. Um, long, gnarly, um, steep climbs. Um, so it's very difficult to prepare for it. Um, on the on the sunny coast, we we're lucky to have a few little little bumps in the uh, in the landscape, but nothing that can prepare you to what they have in Europe. So, as far as your preparation, said you've changed things a little bit this year. What have you been doing, and what are you logging in terms of training? each week and month? So, in terms of um, a few changes, I, I did a lot of, it is a trail run, um, but this year I wanted to do a lot more elevation um, in my training. And so I've, I'm, I'm logging around between four and a half and 5,000 meters of climb every week. Um, with around 110 kilometers um, each week. Obviously, my coach, he does um, look at the volume and he will give me some easy weeks to, to recover. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot more elevation this year. Um, a lot more elevation on the road because living in Budgeton, I've got access to quite a lot of Climbs. I know they're not huge climbs, but I do a lot of repeats. Um, a few weeks ago, I did a marathon on um, on Ballinger, or um, just going up and down, up and down. Um, so yeah, that's been a big change. I've also looked at my nutrition. Um, I sort of had a plan last year, um, but um, if I was honest, I probably didn't spend as much efforts uh, looking at plan B and plan C. So if things did go wrong with my initial nutrition, I had something to go to. So I put a lot of effort in, in getting my nutrition um, tweaked. And I'm fairly confident now um, that I, I've got that nailed, but I've got a couple of big weekends coming up now where I'll, um, I'll, I'll focus purely on, on making sure that I've got the nutrition sorted. 
We'll get into your nutrition a little bit later on, but um, just as far as your training sessions go, are you, when you're going out, are you um, typically changing things up? Are you doing any sort of fartlek sessions, or is it all pretty much long and long and slow? No, 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 at all. So Monday nights, I, I hate so Mondays because I do a lot of speed, um, speed work. Um, but obviously, because of the type of race, it's always on a hill. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of speed work trying to get my VO2 max um, in tip-top condition. So, for example, last night's session, um, I'd have been uh, 15, 20 minute warm up, and then I'd be going somewhere like Dixon or Ballinger or uh, Cargill, um, and then I'd be basically sprinting as fast as I can up for about six minutes. Um, and then sprinting down and doing that three times, no recovery, and then two-minute recovery, do it again three times. Um, my hands are on my knees, and I want to be sick after that session, but you feel good then the next time you're on a hill. Um, so the, the speed session is, is still in there. Um, being the type of race it is, I do some specific height technical training where I, I focus on on my hiking, hiking speed. Even though I'm um, I'm hiking or some will call it walking, um, I do get into a good rhythm and I've done a few races locally where there's some hills in it and I was hiking quicker than people were running the same hill so I, I can see the benefits. Um, and then obviously I have a, a, a long run session and um, my coach doesn't do it by distance, he does it by hours. Um, so this weekend I've got eight to ten hours on Mount Warning, which means I've got a three, four hour drive um, to, to get down there and it's probably the, the highest peak that's accessible to me. Well, I'll be going up and down Mount Warning. Um, this weekend just to get that long day elevation and, uh, and tweaking the nutrition. Hi, David from LA Sport. If you're looking for running and performance footwear, visit us in store at 34 Brisbane Road, Malulabar. Come test out a range of footwear from brands such as Hocker, Asics, Brooks, Mizuno, Nike and Ultra on our in-store running track. And if you're looking for running apparel and triathlon accessories, we stock a wide range of products that will help you perform at your best on race day. So do you do a lot of work on the trails though as well locally or do you primarily um, throughout the week just stay on the, the Budrum Hills? Oh, no, no. So, yeah, um, I try and get out to, to Parklands as much as I can. Um, I love it in there. I did a lot more training in Parklands last year what I did notice and I think when we look at the training we realised that in reality there's a lot of undulating trail in there which is good but it doesn't mimic what I'm going to face in UTMB, it's all about getting that access to the to bit of downhill and then birth again um, so it's not ideal, my training um, going on to, to the road um, but all my easy runs, I try and get onto trail so that I don't lose that technical element of, of 
of, of a, a different terrain to, to run on. Um, so yeah, Parkland is my my go-to, and there's a lot of friends that go there. It's a it's a great place to go. Um, so yeah, a lot of trail trail running there. But but unfortunately, there's, there's more of it in Budrin. Easy for me to go to as well. <laughs> um, now I know you're a boy from Wales, but how do you, how do you go though in these uh, weather conditions? Because it's uh, a monumental change from uh, the Australian winter as it can be where you're going to be running. Oh, yeah, huge change, and uh, I was for honest, I struggled for the first few. I've been here five, nearly five years now, and, and I I sweat a lot more in this country. Um, which has caused some camping issues, which did hinder me quite a lot, or has hindered me quite a lot the last couple of years. But I think change of training, being conscious of the amount of fluid that I am losing, um, yeah, it's been it's, it's been a learning curve. But as for the weather, when I get to France, I could get a 30 degree day for the race. Or I could get a, a class deal, I, I get a minus 10. So in, in the Alps, it, it could fluctuate from being a, a really hot day to a, a really cold day. And yeah, I'm used to both. Um, I suppose the, the Queensland weather has softened me up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tough it out. And in, in like any, any sport, as long as you've got the right kit, you, you can deal with um, any, anything that the weather throws at you. Um, last year, for example, I made sure, I think I had three different pit checks of kit changes with me. Um, but I knew there was going to be a lot of rain. I had snow. So I knew I was a hypothermia risk straight away. So I, I'd rather have a change of clothes with me. And then I had to carry a little bit more kit. But I, I think overall that, that enabled me to finish last year because obviously I'm not running as quickly as I wanted to, so you're losing body heat. Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's ironic really coming from a cold place to a, to a hot place. Um, but yeah, you can just deal with it. Deal with whatever comes on the day. So that sort of kit that you do carry and, and what you wear when you're when you're racing, um, what does that entail? And does there any particular brands that you stick with or styles? Um, not really. I think obviously trail running now is such a huge thing. There's a, there's a lot of different makes that want to entice you. But um, some of my best kit is kit that I've had for seven, eight, nine years. Um, I have I have changed my um, backpack to a, an European model called Instinct that um, I think has started to come into Australia. I was lucky to get a pack. Um, it's very similar to the Solomon packs that are, uh, are very common with, with the trail runners, but this enables me to, to grab certain key kits quicker it's accessible while um, right on my shoulders. Um, so if I had bad weather and need to get my rain jacket, I can grab it with my, with my hand. Whereas in the Solomon, it, it, sometimes you have to take it off. Um, the Instinct is also waterproof. Um, it's got the same carrying, carrying capacity, um, so that's good. Um, I have used 
Fusion. So, no John up in Perugian. Uh, uh, he's he's got some great kit, and I ran in Fusion um, gear last year. And I'll probably run um, my main kit as, as the I think it's called SLI shorts, and um, I had one of his custom shirts made last year. Um, but then I have um, my wet weather gear, and I said one of my wet weather gears I've had for about seven or eight years, and I, I trust it more than anything um, and because I've got confidence that if the weather does turn horrible, I'll have that bit of kit to, to keep me safe. Um, so mandatory gear, you've got to carry um, wet weather gear, both pants and tops. You've got to have a thermal top and bottom. Um, obviously, some additional food. Um, you've got to have a, a, a an emergency blanket. Um, so you can't just have a, uh, like a, a, a an emergency. Sorry, it's an emergency sack, not the blanket. It's got to be something that you can cover your whole body. Um, so I do a little bit of bulkiness in that. Um, but as I said, last year, I, I looked at the weather conditions. We knew it was going to be bad. I actually had um, three sets with me on my on my back. Um, and I needed them all. At one point, I had everything on. Um, it was so cold. And obviously, your gloves. And they can be just thin gloves. That I think they're very similar to ski gloves. Um, they're a bit bulky, but yeah, <laughs> your hands don't go blue otherwise. <laughs> Does this sound like you? See the team at CycleZone Middle Bar to fine tune your ride. Or you could drown out all the sound with the Aftershocks, the latest in wireless bone conduction headphones. Get it all? CycleZone Middle Bar, 120 Brisbane Road, Middle Bar. Um, and just getting back to then that nutrition, what do you do and what are you eating and drinking throughout a race like this one? So I've tried so many different things, it's unreal, just to get that balance. And I've now um, I've gone through a mixture of things. So what I didn't want to do was just stick to one product. Um, but I've now uh, I've experimented with so many different products. I've now gone with Tailwind. Um, so Tailwind works for me. Um, I've been training for about three months solid on, on just Tailwind. But what I do now is I mix it up. So I think there's a, a, a I don't think it's commonly used, but it's, it's a term. Um, it's actually a fatigue of, of your senses where you're, you just can't stomach the same taste. So I'll use different um, flavors of tailwind. But I also stop every three to four hours, depending on the length of the, the, the session that I'm in or the race. Um, I'll then go into um, bars. So I'll, I'll either use um, a local product at one bars um, or a cliff bar, depending on how I feel, what what I actually fancy. Um, so they both work. Um, and then obviously when I'm taking the cliff or the bars, I'll make sure I increase a little bit more water um, and then go back onto the tailwind. 
And then about, say, eight, nine, ten hours in, I'll, I'll, I'll mix it up with, a, like, a ginger beer or a, or a Red Bull. Ginger beer is, is the one that I crave. <laughs> it's just another, just another taste that you can turn to. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the ones, and I'll make sure that um, every couple of hours I'll have... Uh, I can feel when I need salt. I don't know how, but I, I now feel it. I can, I can smell it coming out of my body. Um, I'll make sure that I top up. Um, but Tailwind has actually tick all the boxes for me. Um, so that's what I'll... I won't put all my faith on it, but so far, that, that's what's, what's, what's worked in, in training. Uh, I feel confident, and I think you, you do need to have that confidence in your nutrition. It just comes second nature. You just go with it. Oh well, just uh, digressing a little bit. Take us back to when you were a, a youngster. Were you much of a runner? Um, bit weird story. Yes, I got up to a good standard when I was younger. Um, I, I was more fell running in in Wales. So it's you start at the bottom, mostly in a pub. You run to the peak or the summit run back down so it could be a, a four mile race um ranging up to 26 30 miles well, not weird in the uk everything's miles compared to the k's um so yeah short races um but obviously it's a different type of race because it's all about getting to that summit and then getting back to the bottom again um so they got to a good standard um when i was up to about 18 I came second in quite a big race in well, back in the UK then in Snowden International Race. Um, did really well and should have really continued. But um, I then went to university and you, you, you have other directions, other passions. Um, and, and I didn't run for a long time. And then I think it was when I was, I think it was around 30. My uh, some, some friends said to me, "Maybe a G, I'll never forget it." They just said, oh, "You'd never do that race again," um, and that sparked a reaction. I went, "Yeah, I would. I'll have a go." And the rest is history. I, I I fell in love with running running again, and uh, I've continued to to so that's, what 16 years ago now. Uh, it, it's a different, it's, it's, a, it's a change of lifestyle as well. Where um, yeah, you, you do have to put some commitment into it. Um, maybe a little bit more because of the type of racing that I'm doing now. Um, but yeah, it's also about being out on the trails with like-minded people. There's a I run with a great community of people here on the Sunshine Coast. Um, I love it. It's, it's just such a it's just a cool thing for us to do. Because you um you run quite a little bit with the uh, the nutters. I do, yes. Um, yeah, the great bunch of people. And when everyone's everyone's striving to do the same thing, it's not we're, we're yeah there's some there's some there's some guys and girls there that are probably at, at, at the verge of they hate being called elite, but there's some really great runners up there um, and along the coast as well. Um, 
they're just down to earth great people. It's, it's a pleasure to run with them. Um, we all have a laugh. Um, there's nothing too serious uh, within the group. There's no prima donnas. Everyone's just there to enjoy the trails and how lucky we are to have access to some beautiful trails here on the coast. I've just find in comparison to other multi-sport athletes, trail runners are a really unique bunch and they're a really no-nonsense crew with no no attitude or ego. Is that, do you think that's a fair assessment? Definitely, yeah. We, we yeah, most definitely. Yeah, we, we have a bit of banter like any, any sports, but they're, they're, we do put our game faces on when we're training for a particular race because... Um, I think a lot of us, we, we tend to, to race similar types of races, so it, it's good that we can train in the race same terrain. But if we don't, if, if we don't have fun doing it, what, what's the point? Um, but yeah, we, we we have some great characters um, uh, within within the groups from different levels. Everyone's just there to have a good laugh, and we we enjoy having a beer at the end of it. Sometimes at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good bunch of people. Well, take me through what's what's it like standing on the start line of one of these epic races, and obviously the the race you're about to undertake is there's going to be more than two thousand people, and it's part of a festival throughout the week. What sort of thoughts are going through your mind? It's weird because I I last year I recorded. Um, the, the start of it, so I felt like a bit of a tourist, but you look around, everyone's got the, the cameras out, and it's actually a huge thing. And I think I was on the start line about three hours before the actual start of the race, purely because it's such a crammed um, street where you start, right in the centre of family. Um, obviously the elite, they're still sleeping or in their hotel rooms and they stroll up to the front of the line a few minutes beforehand. If you've registered for the Seven Sunshine Coast Marathon and you need help with training, the team behind the marathon are here to help you. Put your running shoes on for the Tuesday morning training runs. It doesn't matter if you're an experienced runner or not, as there are three different training levels to help cater for everyone. The first training run is Tuesday, May 8th at 6am, starting at Alexandra Headland Surf Club. So if you've registered for the Marathon Festival, join the training runs and reach your running goals before the big race. For more information, visit sunshinecoastmarathon.com.au. But the atmosphere, um, there is a famous song that gets played and that really sets you going. And they, they do the, uh, the Icelandic cap clap where everyone gets involved and it's a huge crescendo and everyone knows that the, the minute that, uh, I think it's called the Evangelist, the, the song, Vanquish Evangelist, once that comes on, you know you're 30 seconds away and it's it's such a buzz and it's a hectic start it's um it's it's flat for about 8k i'll say flat as fast as it can be through the streets of chamonix into uh, la souche and that's when the climb starts um so it's quite a, a frantic start everyone's trying to get uh into a position but i've done my research and Everyone said, just take it easy, because that AK is going to go quickly anyway. Adrenaline will t- take you through with the mini you hit that first climb. It, it, it's not about um, speed anymore. It's about 
um, survival and getting into it to, uh, a um, into the rhythm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing start. I think there's some races, lots of races I've done in various parts of the world, but nothing to beat this. Um, it's televised live in, in Europe. It's such a big occasion. Um, so there's a lot of media um, screens everywhere, thousands of people lining the streets from, from the start all the way to the sushi. And even on the course itself, there's people everywhere. Um, there was a DJ, <laughs> funny story, there was a DJ on the side of the mountain. I could hear this dance music in the, in the, uh, in the background, but you get closer, you get closer, and this guy who's on the side of the mountain with a, um, the DJ set just playing his tunes is surreal. I thought I was dreaming. Yeah, it, it, it's a huge atmosphere, huge. Now, I distinctly remember speaking with a local triathlon legend in, in Bruce Teal, who um, a couple of years ago finished, uh, well, actually, he's finished at Ironman Australia 20 times. But after he did his first Buckle 100, he said that it was far tougher than anything he'd ever undertaken before. So these sorts of events that you're doing on a regular basis now, are they, are they a monumental test of endurance or has it come ultimately down to, to mental strength? Yeah, both. There's all, a lot of people say that in in this type of race, number one is mental, number two, nutrition, number three, physiology. Um, yes, I would say so. Um, you've got to want to finish as well. If you don't have that desire to finish, then you're already going to be fighting demons when it gets dark and it, it, you do go into a, like any endurance you do go into a dark place you hope that you don't but you will and as long as you can get yourself out of that then then you're better prepared than the other guy or the other girl that's going to that dark area um i do a lot of, i did a lot of research this year and yeah it, it little things like just counting <laughs> If I'm in a dark spot, I just count. Don't know what, why I do it. Um, but it's like chanting. Uh, you get into that rhythm, and all of a sudden you 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 back out of that dark place. Um, but I think it's about you you, you want it. Um, and going back to, to last year, there's a one of the big climbs in Glom, uh, Grand Col de Ferret, It's called. Um, I was already in a bad place. I was climbing, and I'll, I'll never forget, it was a lot. On your um, race bit, you see the nationalities, and I saw a lot of French guys turning around going, no, 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 too cold. And that actually spurred me on, thinking, well, it might be cold for the French, but I'm Welsh, I'm going to get to the top of that mountain, and I'm going to get down. Um, so you just... Yeah, it, it, it's if it's important to you, you you'll finish it. You'll do it. You, you'll go through the dark um, things. And and Bruce probably I've, I've seen some of his travel segments around Budgem. We 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 probably fight through um, the dark um, phases of of this type of racing, and I, I do the same as well. I just fight through it because um, I want it. I want to 
finish. I don't want to come back and say that I failed. Um, I will finish. And is that the why for you? Is that why you keep doing these events? Um, no, I don't think it's fair. It's like, I think the why is that it's where I probably um, I'm lucky that I, I can um, go to these events. Um, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice. Um, but I, I, I want to test myself. I'm not going to be at the front of the field. Um, but winning this race is finishing it. Um, like um, a lot of people have tried this race multiple times and, and failed for whatever reason. It's not a, an easy race to to finish. The why to me is, is like I enjoy it. I enjoy that challenge. Um, and yeah, I'll continue to look for for challenges like this because yeah, it's it, it's good. I, I enjoy the training. Sometimes it, it takes its toll, like anything. But yeah, as, as long as I enjoy it, I'll keep looking for these challenges. So reaching the finish line that will define success for you at uh, UTMB. Um, no, I, I like anything. I, I have an aspiration to hit the time and. Don't ask me because I won't tell you. <laughs> I have an aspiration this year of hitting a, a certain time. A few people know what I'd like to hit. Um, but ultimately, yes, finishing would be great. Finishing quicker than last year, brilliant. But I'll be ecstatic if I, I finish the, the time that I, I aspire to. And hopefully, the, if everything goes right on the day, I, I'm... Uh, I, I put myself in, in, a, in a good position to to, to do that. Um, but I've got nine weeks left until till I, till the race. Um, I've got so a couple of big weekends uh, ahead um, before I um, before I go over that and see what happens. G'day, Darren Lockie here. Queenslanders are famous for looking after each other. So it's good to meet a Queensland building team that really looks after its clients. I'm talking about Osmar and their new design studio, Atelia. Atelia is exclusive to Osmar clients. It has all the finishes for your new Osmar home in one location. That's over 300 square metres of floor-to-ceiling displays from all the top home brands. They even shouted me lunch. We try harder to be a little bit better. QBCC 1083000. So do you have any plans yet to post UTMB? Um, not at the moment, no. But, um, I, I've got a sneaky feeling that I'll probably enter Black Hole this year. But I entered Black Hole the first year um, at 100, and then I think I did the 50 the following year, and I'm not done it for the last couple of years, um, purely because of either injury or timing um, of, of, of other races. Um, but... The problem with Black Hole this year, it is very close to the end of October. Um, I'll have done this start of September, but I would like to get, I'd like to support that local race um, and, and give it a, a, a cracker. A lot of the nutters will be there, they enjoy that, um, so it'll be good to get training with, with all the nutters again. And it is, a, it is a great local race, as you said. Um, and there's probably plenty of people get their first taste of, of the ultras at Blackhall. Um, any advice you could give uh, people that are keen to give trail running a go? 
Definitely. Well, I think the important thing is, is to go out with uh, on the actual course. We're, we're so lucky here to, to have a beautiful trail network so so close to it, twenty to thirty minutes away from most of us here on 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 the coast. Um, get on the course, talk to people. We're, we're most trail runners will happily spend time taking you on part of the course and. If you join various groups, there's the Brisbane Trail, Brisbane Trail Runners, you've got the Nutters. You've also got a great community in Nambour and Parkland. Yeah. Over the last 12, 18 months, I've seen so many people go from, um, I think, not doing anything to, to running regularly. And that's because of Nambour Parkland. It's such a great place to go. Um, so yeah, go out on the trails, enjoy it. Make sure your kit is um, is good for the trails as well, because obviously, bit of rain, it's slippery. Just think of your footwear. But, yeah, just go and enjoy it. But don't don't need to spend thousands and thousands on on kit to go and enjoy a, a trail run. But it's obviously a real skill bow, isn't it, trail running as well. What have you sort of learned over over time um, to improve? And I've seen a lot of good trail runners, as you were speaking about before, sort of more hiking up the hills rather than running. Yeah, do you know what? It, it, yeah. Speed work is important, I think. Um, but you, you adapt to a trail as well. Once you start running on a trail, you're... you're your ankles get stronger because obviously there's a lot of movement, a lot of different technical terrain. Um, practice makes perfect. The, the, the more you're on the trail, the more you get confident on your climbs, on your descents. Um, so it's, it's like any sport. Um, if you put me on a bike, I'd, yeah, I'd be terrible. Um, but a couple of months on there, I'll be okay. <laughs> Same with running. You've just got to go out there and, 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 and give it a go. Um, hiking, there's probably not many races that you need to hike, but I know some of the people that um, did well in Blackhall the last couple of years. They won't be running the hills, they'll be clever, they'll be hiking or fast hiking the hills. So it's just making sure that you're, um, you're um, aware of how you feel and um, yeah, it, it's more, more about the practice getting out there well thank you so much for your time today and we look forward to uh, seeing your result um, in nine weeks time thank you very much I look forward to uh, hopefully passing a good day live for the moment on the bike knowing that with HJC helmets you have the safest and most stylish helmet on the market with HJC's viewing weighing in at just 200 grams you also have the lightest aero road helmet on the market. Since 1971, HJC have been developing and manufacturing helmets that are highly respected in motorcycling. HJC have now entered the cycling helmet market and are applying the same high build quality and style they're renowned for. HJC have been taking cycling helmets to the new level. Visit thevelosports.com to see more information. Thanks, Dylan, and thanks for joining the Multisport Mecca podcast. We'll catch up with some more local athletes in the coming months.